Well, friends, I confess that I uh, was a little destabilized yesterday as I was thinking about today. Still processing the executive order concerning refugees and immigrants. I don't know if you were aware of it, but the order was signed on International Holocaust Remembrance Day. A shockingly offensive conflation, given that prior to and during World War II, the United States shamefully refused asylum to Jews who were being murdered in Germany. Anti-Semitism was not simply a German problem. One Jewish group said, the fact that the president's order appears designed to specifically limit the entry of Muslims evokes horrible memories of Jews turned away during World War II, most ultimately perished in the Holocaust. That episode remains a blot on the conscience of the United States. It is a terrible irony that today, the same day on which the order is to be signed, is also International Holocaust Remembrance Day. On Thursday, Pope Francis was greeting a group of young German Catholics and Lutherans, and as though anticipating what would happen this weekend, said to the pilgrims that he does not like the, quote, contradiction of those who want to defend Christianity in the West and, on the other hand, are against refugees and other religions. The sickness, or you can say the sin, that Jesus condemns most is hypocrisy, You cannot be a Christian without living like a Christian, he said. As though anticipating the assigned readings for this Sunday added, you cannot be a Christian without practicing the Beatitudes. And you cannot be a Christian without doing what Jesus teaches us in Matthew 25. Remember Matthew 25, the message of the judgment of the nations in reference to, in Jesus, I mean Christ's injunction to help the needy by such works of mercy as feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, and welcoming the stranger. The National Association of Evangelicals responded saying that the country should not give favor to Christians or bar Muslims, We would resist that strongly, said the president of the organization's humanitarian arm. Some of the most vulnerable people in the world right now are Muslims. If we say no Muslims should be let in, we are denying the humanity and dignity of people made in the image of God. And friends, lest you think this policy actually will keep us safe, A study conducted by the Libertarian Cato Institute found that the chance of being murdered in a terrorist attack by a refugee, get this, is one in 3,640,000,000. Providing a bit of perspective and by way of comparison, do you know what your chances of winning the lottery are? One in 14,000,000. The worst attacks on our soil since 9-11 have been homegrown. This executive action is a blatant play 
to fear and prejudice. Straight out. Now, I had in mind a different sort of sermon today, a little less raw. But sometimes life happens, and we're left no option but to consider something relevant to the exact present moment in which we're living and breathing. And I am struck that this church is chock full of immigrants, people born elsewhere who came to call the United States home like hundreds of thousands, millions before them. Many, probably all of you in some way, are the product being here of being of immigration. And you know, our nation has always been at its best when its arms were stretched wide and at its worst when it codified its prejudices and fears and hateful laws like the exclusion of Jewish refugees during the Holocaust, the internment of the Japanese in the same time frame, the annihilation of Native Americans, the Jim Crow laws, and before that, slavery itself. But now, friends, we are followers after the way of Jesus. And as Pope Francis told his guests, Christians are only as good as their actions and tangible commitments. If they say one thing but live differently, well, then they've missed the essential point of the matter because the real point to our fellowship isn't to get each other to affirm a particular set of words, but to live a certain kind of life in a certain kind of way. The words serve as a potent symbol of the life that conforms to citizenship in God's kingdom. As we pray every single Sunday, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, here and now. Now, I will grant you, this pattern that Jesus sets forth runs counter to the world's priorities. I don't think, frankly, I could have come up with a more radically divergent list of attributes from current conditions than the Beatitudes. For instance, see if this roster doesn't sound more like the world's wisdom. Blessed are the rich in spirit. Blessed are those who celebrate. Blessed are the ruthless climbers. Blessed are you when you have your own reality TV show or stock worth millions, billions of dollars, a signed contract with the New York Jets, a huge promotion, a Ph.D. after your name, 5,000, 10,000 people in your congregation. Blessed are you when you succeed like this. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great on earth. And in the same way they heap praise and adulation on the rich and the famous and the successful before you. Now, Honestly, that sounds like a pretty fair summary, does it not? Of the world's notion of blessing. And a particularly American version of that. And you know, friends, don't get me wrong, I'm all for success. 
I hope that all of you are successful, that you absolutely maximize your talents and stretch your various capacities and reach for the stars and even attain them. I hope you do that. And you know, this city pulsates with high-energy drivenness and the vitality of extraordinary diversity, doesn't it? It throbs with many passionate cultural expressions and still flashes a bright homing beacon for immigrants the world over. You know, our Washington Heights congregation is full of recent immigrants, some who are terrified. You need to know that. There are very good reasons, of course, why people want to come here. They're reaching for a better life and opportunity, and we say, Hallelujah! We should be grateful we live in such a nation as that. But still, you'll notice that in Jesus' list of blessings, there is not a word about success per se. Not a word about being rich in spirit, or rich in anything for that matter. It's the poor in spirit that get the blessing. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The merciful, the peacemakers... Blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And let's be clear about the sorts of people Jesus includes here. We're not only talking about someone who's temporarily depressed. The language here refers to those who are not only poor, but utterly crushed and empty. Frankly, this is problematic for us. It's problematic for me, honestly. And it's problematic for the church because along with every other institution in this nation, the church is just as committed to success as of a certain sort. This grand edifice is, is an evidence of that, and, and we all like it. I like it. I certainly want Christ's church to be successful. I hope you do too, honestly. But you see the problem, right? I mean, you feel the tension in the message we bear. From Jesus' perspective, the people who are truly able to receive his blessing are those who might be classified as spiritually inept or lacking, that they feel somehow spiritually lacking. Those who know their sin and they feel it, they They know themselves to be imperfect vessels. Those who understand their emptiness and their distance from true fulfillment. Those who bear a certain humility, a certain commitment to values that run counter to the world's agenda. Say again, Steve, how is it a blessing to be persecuted for righteousness' sake? How is that a blessing? And then the the prophet Micah sets up the spiritual conundrum in the manner of a prosecuting attorney. This came centuries before Jesus. 
He asks, what does successful worship, what does successful worship look like in the eyes of God? In the ancient scheme, are a thousand rams or ten thousand rivers of oil or even the offering of my firstborn child? Is that enough that I should find favor with God? And he answers his own question by thundering those famous words that have rumbled down through the centuries. God has told you, O mortal, what is good. To do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. It doesn't take a whole lot of hard thinking to realize that authentic justice and kindness are dependent upon the level of humility we maintain in our walk with God. True justice is rooted in our understanding that all of us, all of us share the same sacred genetics, that no one is inherently above another in the eyes of God. The way Matthew tells the story, Jesus' sermon took place not in the magnificent temple in Jerusalem from a marble pulpit, but on a mountainside, miles away, in the vicinity of Capernaum. And do you suppose it was the spiritual giants, the learned scholars, the successful merchants, and the well-connected politicians who crowded the natural amphitheater to listen to this topsy-turvy wisdom? Well, you know, well, maybe there were some. Maybe so. Maybe there were about as many then on a percentage basis as our attending church today in New York City this morning. I don't know. But if so, then I'm thinking they too knew of or sensed their own poverty and could identify with the poverty of others no matter the form it took. Because surely we are more alike in our poverties than we are in our seeming successes. Indeed, one of the less noble, if still wildly popular, reasons to succeed is the demonstration of our supposed superiority over everybody else. That's back rumbling around in our consciousness, isn't it? I know it is up here. But prick the skin of any successful individual and we'll discover the genetic predisposition for death. Just like everybody else. Paul said, you heard him say to his friends in Corinth, The message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world so that no one might boast in the presence of God. Have you ever done the equivalent of that, boasted in the presence of God? I confess to you, I have. 
I have boasted in God's presence. Sad to say. And who brought this kingdom message? The famous learned scholar from the University of Jerusalem, the temple's senior minister, an emperor-in-waiting, perhaps, or the CEO of the Bank of Rome? No, it was an itinerant carpenter from Nazareth. Gossip had it there was a question about his father and whether his mother ever married. He was a charismatic preacher, but certainly no typical success story. Crucifixion was his destiny. He died as an enemy of the state. Certainly not the successful career trajectory my mother had in mind for me, the youngest of her three sons. She, by the way, wanted me to become a brain surgeon. Explicitly so. I heard it every year for about 15 years. <laughs> Strange religion, this Christianity. <laughs> it's relentlessly proclaiming a message of hope in the face of failure, resurrection in the face of death, Abundant blessing in the face of many poverties while espousing a radical ethic of justice, kindness, and humility. It comes at us with a force multiplier effect, knocking us off balance. And you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking we shouldn't write ourselves too soon. We should stay off balance at least for a week. And holding the question up front and close. How goes your success with justice, mercy, and humility? How are you doing with that? I'm taking Jesus' cue. I'm thinking that if we do this, blessings will abound. Blessings will abound. And thank God we have each other to support, encourage, holding one another accountable. I'm aware that we don't all agree about all things all of the time. But, but surely we agree that Jesus is the source and the goal. And with that in mind, we've got each other's backs as we go back out into the world working our own program for justice, mercy, and humility. Boy, am I glad new folks joined the cause today.